Welcome to the Write Good Books podcast, the audio companion to writegoodbooks.com with your host, Jason Bogart. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Write Good Books podcast, episode 81, Back from the Grave. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. As you heard, Scott is here. Hello. Hey. And, uh, and I am too, surprisingly. We have taken a little break, unannounced. And unplanned. And unplanned. Um, you know, if you've seen the writegoodbooks.com, you saw I've, I've kind of taken some time off to work on this card game called 52 Dragons for a cheap plug. I'm doing a Kickstarter, and I will stick that a link to that in the description of this. So thanks for your support, everyone. So while we were talking about that, I was kind of going over the similarities between self-publishing a card game and self-publishing a novel and really the way the writing communities and the gaming communities, I guess game development communities, kind of look at self-publishing, there's some similarities and there's differences. And that goes across many forms of entertainment media. Yeah, yeah. And Scott here will take credit or blame. Thought that might be a good podcast for us. So here we go. So, yeah, I mean, we're... We're talking about the opinions that people hold about self-published works, right? And, you know, like Jason was saying, working on a game seems to be kind of negative. And then he mentioned how writing, self-publishing seems to be more accepted. It's not 100% accepted. There's still a lot of people who um, think self-published equals bad. But then also thinking back, thinking about the early days of music on the internet where there were a lot more experimentation on acts self-publishing music uh not going through the traditional route of cd cassette vinyl eight track you know wax cylinder there were more people experimenting with releasing music directly to fans even back you know at this point almost 20 years ago and and kind of the reaction was that's bad that's okay if you can't find anyone, but it's still not the greatest, and then, you know, kind of more accepted. And, and so seeing those similarities yeah. was was kind of interesting in Sardis. Yeah, and, you know, opinions change. I think mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I was definitely a publishing snob. I was like, yeah, don't, van- you know, I'd say Vanity Press, don't self-publish. The publishing business has evolved, so is my opinion of it. And now, you know, it's, it's so much more respected. And, you know, now I have more people asking me why I haven't self-published. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if it's the publishing business or just the the writing business. Oh, yeah. I, I see that as kind of two separate yeah. things. Well, you know, um, this might be a little off our initial goal of this podcast. But, you know, Amazon has changed that, too. It's, it's ease of when people look for a book to read, they don't look who published it. You know, your, your method of retrieving information is different. It's, right. You used to go to your bookstore and you'd look for a book. You're not going to find a self-published book at a bookstore, usually. Very rarely. So that was it, it, but look, now... Especially, yeah. like, even five years ago. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But now there's no bookstore, so... Ha! <laughs> <laughs> but now, you know, I'm, but, these kids these days, they buy everything on Amazon, and they're not looking who the publisher is. They don't care. They're looking for reviews. And well, the... Let me twist that okay. a little bit. Small independent bookstores, they're they're starting to bring in self-published, yeah. a, a, but that's with some vetting, right? Right. They know the author. Mm-hmm. 
it's a local author, so yeah. they can press that. Hey, come to our bookstore. We have local authors, right. you know. So I think the big bookstores definitely you're not seeing a lot of self published, yeah. but now there's more of a niche mm-hmm. for self published indie authors and indie bookstores. Yeah. They should go hand in hand more than they do, I would think. But I didn't I see an article in the last week or two saying smaller bookstores are they're coming back, they're coming back. There's a rise again, which it, is cool. Yeah, but again, they found a unique niche mm-hmm. in what they can present, and and they're more than bookstores. Oftentimes, you know, the ones that are doing it well. There's one here in our town mm-hmm. that really it, it seemed weird that they were starting up, a, and this was for new books. This mm-hmm. wasn't a used bookstore. New books, but they've really tapped into some of the cultures in the town as far as there's a vibrant art scene. And so their location is near where the monthly art walks happen. And they bring in live music. Mm -hmm. And like I said, they're bringing in local authors, not just to present, but to have their books on the shelves. Not just citing things, on the Mm -hmm. shelves as part of the regular stock. Now, some of that has consignment deals and and other things, Mm -hmm. too. But they're they're making it happen, so I think that that brings that whole change. You know, it went from shunned. Now it's a a selling point for a small number yeah. of independent bookstores. And, and again, music, right? It used to be you didn't have a record deal. You weren't a musician. We all know that's a hyperbole, mm-hmm. but you weren't going to be a nationwide name. And now people can. People have followings who never had a traditional music deal. Uh, YouTube creators, you know, how many of them have huge followings, making careers? We can talk about how that's changing, too. But, you know, these aren't people who have a a deal with CBS or NBC or, you know, they they are self-publishers, too. Right. So. And, you know, um, gamers self-publishing to Steam is a big thing. Yeah, yeah. One of the biggest mm-hmm. hits was done by one guy, mm-hmm. Stardew Valley. He's still winning awards. Love that game, by the way. Cool. So there's, um, you know, there's print on demand for all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. But so let's, as far as in within the industry, right? It's it's changing. Yeah. In different time frames, we talked about music, but also the industry. We're mm-hmm. also talking about people buying it. It's not that big of a deal anymore. Mm-hmm for some things. And, and another thing, and we talked about this earlier, mm-hmm. it's the introduction of being a niche or specialized writer, game designer, musician. It, it's now more possible for you to do that because there's more widespread distribution with less barriers, right? right. So if you are a mashup artist, it, let's actually, let's say you're a, a certain type of folk musician, right? you can now get a decent-sized audience for your work without having to haul equipment coast-to-coast, cross the ocean. Living in the van. Right, (laughs) unless you really want to live in the van for the experts. That's that's cool. But writing, right? There There are authors out there that they publish in a very specific subgenre, right? Dinosaur erotica. Oh yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> I think we even talked about that. Yeah. But they are they have a fan base. Mm-hmm. They have I'm not saying guaranteed sales, but they know they can count on a certain number of, of titles get 
you know, yeah. uh, of their whatever their next release is, and they have that niche market that no traditional publisher is going to cover, right? Because there's just not enough on that scale, but they can do it because of the technology. And mm-hmm. you know, so I think a lot of this is based off reaction to technology, both as a creator and as a consumer. If we did have both, then we're screwed. And then we're back to just the bigs, traditional publishing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not anti-big traditional publishers at all, but it's it's such a hard barrier to cross. And what are the, this five, the big five now? And it's, you know, and agents will still say they get, you know, 20,000 queries a month and stuff. It's There's so much competition when you can just do it on your own. Yeah. I don't know if, if people have read Seth God. He, he oh, does, yeah. he sure. does all sorts of, of different things. If you've ever read The Dip, and it's a quick read, it's mm-hmm. a short little book, right? But there's this theory that, uh, that he presents in that, that you get to the top of a small market, but whatever it may be, some endeavor. Mm-hmm. So you're at that top. So the question is, you can stay there indefinitely, as long as the market holds, mm-hmm. or you go try to get something bigger. A lot of people will think, well, it's just this direct line going up, right? To go from self-published to traditional author. Mm-hmm. Some make that jump, but oftentimes what happens is, and I think music artists probably feel this the most, you actually see things go down. Sales, interest in your work, mm-hmm. whatever metric you want to use, there's this dip. And then finally you start getting into that mainstream and going back up, and then you end up higher than where you started it. Interesting. How many people quit when they're on that dip? Well, and that's the thing. Can you survive yeah. that dip? Yeah. And for some, it's completely unexpected. And so it's like, okay, I'm done. I'm yeah. out. Yeah. And then there's others that's like, yeah, we planned for this. We've saved our money to get through this. We've got a plan. But another thing is that tends to change what your work is. Because you've got the top of a niche market if you want that big mainstream traditional you're changing your work in some cases yeah. or you're waiting for the world to change to accept your work which sometimes <laughs> we're all waiting for that which for some artists it happens you know they're yeah. on top of a niche the niche goes mainstream and then now there's no dip because oh, yeah. the traditionals are looking for that type of work that oh you're all, you've got an audience we're bringing in yeah. so it's it's not always the same but it's not saying if you're a self-published whatever, that's it, that you're that's all you'll ever be. Right. There are things that will take you mainstream, or you could possibly make a comfortable, you know, you get a comfortable amount of readers, followers, whatever, with that niche. But it's going to be a finite number. But it might still be enough for you to make a career of it. Yeah, and live your dream. Yeah. So let's bring it to some of our stuff. Uh, like Theme of Absence. I have my user base that reads it and that's about it <laughs> but now, it, 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 it's it's a consistent reader base that you know the a story's published every friday and i've got a pretty a pretty fixed audience to it the ones that'll leave comments or email me comments and i i always know about what to expect for an audience when a new story comes through and then i also know what to expect throughout the week is and you know you, you have the big bump on fridays and then throughout the week throughout the week it kind of comes and goes and but but that's a site you know i don't it's a pretty general genre though so i probably could jump out of that but yeah but it, it's it's sci-fi horror fantasy, it, it, yeah flash fiction yeah which when the time you started that was 
definitely not a mainstream idea. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, that is true. But then again, you stop and think, it's like, what's next? Well, continue on top of this this niche mm-hmm. where it's consistent and it's not in a place of failure, right? Right. You know, it's up. My got goodness, tra- it may even possibly be in the black this year. <laughs> See? <laughs> may actually not lose money this year, so <laughs> keep clicking those ads, folks. That, that's like two plugs <laughs> here, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but but again, that, that kind of shows it's like, okay, that upward climb happens, yeah. is still maybe mm-hmm. still happening. Yeah. But if you want to take it mainstream, some changes may be in order, and you may lose some of that, you know, yeah. it's that you sold out mentality. Oh, yeah. Right? We've, we've seen it with bands. We've yeah. seen it with movie band, artists. And bands are always the worst. I'll never understand the fans when they're mad their their favorite band sells out. Because now it's like, don't you want your band to be successful yeah. and, and comfortable? And I don't know. I just, yeah. you don't want them to change their music. I'll, I'll go on my Paramore spiel. <laughs> okay, <know>. then. <laughs> Old Paramore. Perfection. New Paramore. That's all we'll say about it. <laughs> but again, here, it's not sold out. It's they change to get a bigger audience. To, yeah, change to get the bigger audience. Right. And, uh, and, and I, I don't know anyone in Paramore. I don't know if that was a conscious decision <laughs> or if that's just the way. That, oh, sure. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. yeah you, know, you know, or yeah. it's like we really want to experiment with, well, in Paramore, let's actually use this. Paramore with uh, Haley Williams, mm-hmm. right, tends to experiment a little bit more album to album. You know, and they also were one of those bands that they kind of, they also evolved with the industry. Yeah. So, you know. And and there are are many other artists where, well, David Bowie, right? Well known for starting with one approach Mm -hmm. to music and art and presentation, especially. And every so often would change to something else. Sometimes it was a slight change in presentation, Mm -hmm. slight change in the musical uh, arena. Sometimes it's a big jump to something else, right? And and so here's one thing. Very few traditional contracts, you're going to have that freedom. Yeah. Right? There's a few, especially in the writing world, (laughs) where they've earned that right. Their name is enough. They can experiment more. But, you know, if you're a self-publisher or self-publishing, you can be a little bit more experimental. You do have more freedom to try. Without having the contractual obligation (laughs) to say, we expected a third book just like your first yeah. two. I mean, you might run into the problem with your fans. Yeah. Not like what you put out. But yeah, that niche, when, when you're talking about David Bowie and you know, thinking about niche markets, that my favorite example for music is always the band King Crimson. They they have their, their niche of, you know, wacko weirdo prog rock that's awesome. Yeah, that, and they, that's awesome. <laughs> Let's not forget that. But I mean, they never really step out of that, but they have their fan base that will always, I don't know if they still produce new music probably not they're they're all a bunch of old fogies now but they um, as are we yeah oh oh sad sad <laughs> but they uh yeah you know you, you have some they were really successful in their musical genre and most of you listening have never heard of them so i'll stop bringing them up so yeah and so we we've gone from even in this episode, we started with mainstream kind of, not mainstream consumer, mainstream within the industry, looking at self-publishing. And then we've kind of veered towards, well, what is mainstream consumer? And then a little bit of 
well, here's why people may want to do it. Oh, yeah. And to be honest, like, in video content, in written content, in video game content, there are more things out there that I enjoy. Some of my most favorite video games today are done by one-person shops. Hmm. And they do, they, they have their niche, and they do it very well. And that... That niche and that though the taste of those developers matches what I'm looking for in the experience. I've got some writers that will never probably be traditional publishers, right. <laughs> but what I read from them is like okay, this kind of weird, wacky take on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, as far as exploring weird ideas uh, in a sci-fi setting, it's like okay, I really get into that, and I'm glad such a thing exists. And then I can find it. So I and think that's the best compliment you can give a writer. Yeah. So yeah. So I think uh, we might continue on this a little bit, and maybe I'd kind of like to talk about crowd crowdfunding options and things like that next time. Yeah, so. yeah I think that's a great offshoot mm-hmm. of self publishing. Yeah. So uh, we'll be back, hopefully two weeks. <laughs> things are once things start slowing down a little bit. And uh, if you're still listening, check us out on the web at writegoodbooks.com slash podcast. And we'd love it if you visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash writegoodbooks. See ya. Oh, that's my cue. See ya. See ya. (laughs) 